Better Call Saul episode two is over, but we're just getting started here on Better Call Saul live here on Post Show Recaps. And now here are the two guys that never, ever spill salsa on the carpet. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here's Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, how are you? Rob, what's happening? I'm trying to identify myself by name here with my lower third. Yes. I'm trying to get started. I feel like I feel like Jimmy McGill at the beginning of his his legal career. He's trying to get started here. Well, let me tell you, this is my main biznatch, uh, Antonio Mazzaro, here to talk about Better Call Saul. Here he is. Yeah, I'm ready. I, I If you call me biznatch in front of certain relatives of mine, Rob, it's not a good plan. And Are you punking my abuelita? <laughs> Science biznatch, yes. Oh, my God. Are you punking my abuelita? I would yeah, never punk your abuelita. I would never do that. I, I, hey, I'm, I'm going to stay as far away from your abuelita as I possibly can, my friend. Yes. Uh, I went ahead, I told my wife to go in the other room, turn the TV on, put it on very loud so she can't hear anything we're going to talk about. We are ready to go, Antonio. Uh, hey, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you set everything in motion. I just have a little salsa I have to get out of the carpet here. No, no more salsa on the carpet. That's Just leave it. Just leave it. Or actually, no, you better go get some club soda before that settles. I got some club soda in the mini bar in my hotel room here. I'm going to get right on that. All right. The two-night premiere of the... Big smash hit, Better Call Saul, is in the books. Antonio, it's the biggest uh, cable premiere ever, but uh, it did not break the 10 million viewer mark that you predicted. Uh, yeah, we're, a little, we're in a little rough waters here. I feel like Jimmy McGill trying to talk myself out of this here. Do <laughs> I, I, I had said previously I might get a face tattoo. Can I talk you down to a broken leg, maybe? Yes, broken leg. That's fine. One broken leg. That's fine. That's uh, the punishment should fit the crime. Uh, but still a huge night for Better Call Saul. I mean, the biggest uh, the biggest premiere in the history of is that basic cable or does it include HBO? It has to be. It has to be. I mean, it might be all of it because I'm thinking some of HBO's biggest shows like Game of Thrones. I don't think they were in the eight, seven, eight million range when they debuted. I think that they've grown to that audience, but I don't think they were there when they showed up for the first time. So this may include everything. Yeah, Scott, let us know about that. Of course, we're live here on Monday night. We'll be live in this time slot most weeks after Better Call Saul airs on AMC. We are taking your questions here every week to talk about what just happened. Uh, so go ahead and chat with us live in the chat room on postshowrecaps.com. Also, you can send us your tweets with the hashtag PSRecaps or on our YouTube channel at postshowrecaps.com slash YouTube. We'll take all your questions at the end of the show as we go along with our recap of uh, Miho. Miho, that, I think it's just like a little, you're, you're like my Miho, Rob. It's like a little term of endearment. It's like <laughs> yes. a sweetheart, you know, it's like a little, little, but little, little son. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, Saul really dodged a bullet tonight. Uh, literally, uh, he ended up uh, on the, he was on the business end of the gun from Tuco for most of the episode. Um, my biggest question for you, Antonio. The, the biznatch end of the gun. Yes, the biznatch end of the gun. Um, we know Saul isn't going to die. We know Tuco's not going to die. Does an episode like tonight still have high stakes for you? Yeah, it's it's funny because you have to throw a couple of redheaded twins in there to really increase the stakes because you know Saul's not going to go. So there still are really high stakes because horrible, horrible things can happen. They don't have to happen to Saul to be horrible, right? Right. Yeah, so the stakes, even though we know Saul's not in jeopardy, the stakes are still pretty high. I mean, as soon as those those twins ended up getting hit in the face with the cane, I thought, 
man, this is not going to go well because they could easily be dead and Saul's never going to die, but these guys could die. So I think by knowing that Saul's not in jeopardy, it really increases the jeopardy of the other characters. So I do appreciate that. Okay. Um, so Saul ends up in a very uh, tight spot with Tuco. He's able to sort of talk his way out of it and uh, we'll get into that even deeper. But it looks like that the ramifications of that altercation are going to lead Saul deeper and deeper down uh, the dark path as Nacho is going to uh, get him involved in a big scam here. Yeah, and again, this is this this stuff with Nacho really underscores Nacho is not a character from Breaking Bad. So we don't exactly know what's going to happen to him before Breaking Bad. He could die. He could get into some really serious criminal trouble. Really, anything could happen. And that sort of anything could happen element means that he could take Saul to any kind of place. And I really do like that. Okay. So Saul, I feel like uh, definitely got a taste of the... Uh, underworld here tonight in, in this episode uh but it seemed like it was a taste that did not agree with him yeah it was the sort of taste that you want to spit back up right I, he he immediately goes in this montage of like almost like a karate kid kind of i mean i was expecting you're the best around to start playing he's really drinking his coffee and hustling his clients and bribing the clerk and really stepping it up and getting good deals like he's doing the right thing uh, but he's still in the same old office so even though it didn't really agree with him and it it made him want to be a good lawyer for a while. It wasn't really getting him anywhere being a good lawyer. Yeah. So that's why you felt like uh, that was the point of the montage, that he sort of got a taste of this criminal element and tried to, like, uh, no more slipping Jimmy. He was really going to, like, uh, put his nose to the grindstone. And then ultimately... I do th- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. Uh, I guess you seven hundred dollars a pop for each of these cases only gets you so far. Yeah, and and his brother Chuck in the previous episode had said, you know, the the money's beside the point. Like the money's not the reason for doing it. And Saul was saying money is the point. And so hustling like he does, I mean, he gets a nice look from a lady in the hall. He's really working pretty hard. He's doing all these good things, but. At the end of the day, he's at the same, he's at the back of the same nail salon he was previously. And he's in fact getting ready to sleep on his couch there. So it doesn't seem like he's doing, he can be happier, but he's not doing all that much better in terms of life by living it up and really doing better as a lawyer in these scenes. Does Saul have a house or is the nail salon his actual home? Yeah, it's a good question, right? I, I don't think we've really seen his house in the current standing. I mean, we saw him in that flash forward. And, and so I don't exactly know where he might be living. What do you think? You think he's living in the back of that, that, uh, nail salon there? Yeah. I mean, I think if that was not his house, I feel like he could just sl- crash on the couch. I mean, the fact that it's a sofa bed makes me feel like maybe that is his place. Yeah. And that's not a, I mean, there's a little microwave outside his door. You got a washer and dryer over there. Uh, he's literally working in a boiler room, so not the best place to find oneself, but uh, he's got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. All right. Uh, let's go through this uh, altercation with Tuco. And of course, tonight's episode starts a little bit from the Tuco POV on the events that closed out last night's episode. And uh, we got to see what happens when Tuco answers the door and the skateboard guys come in, Antonio. Yeah, what did you think about that? I uh, I was I was great to see Tuco 
kind of quiet and calm, and you're like, hey, maybe this is a different Tuco. Then as soon as Abelita goes upstairs, uh, he's hitting him with the cane in the face. So not really that much different of a Tuco. Yeah. Thought the skateboard guys uh, really overplayed their hand with Tuco. Yeah, and I mean, they had overplayed their hand with Saul, so this is kind of their MO, is they're not really good at the getting money part, but to do it with Tuco, bad idea. Yeah, you would think that they would have been at least a little intimidated by Tuco just even before he starts, like, beating them and taking out guns. Like, Tuco's an intimidating guy. He did have an apron on, though, to be fair. Yes. Well, he loves to cook, Tuco. He's always cooking and not always uh, crystal meth. Yeah, he made those fajitas for Walt and Jesse at the beginning of season two, and here he is making them again. So he's just a big guy. I'd love to see a Tuco cooking show, wouldn't you? Like a nice spinoff of a spinoff. Okay, that would be fine. Uh, can he make breakfast, Tuco? I, I think he probably could. I mean, breakfast is uh, it's, it's a very important meal. I don't know. Do you think he, what, what do you think his specialty would be? Uh, can he make bacon? I think so. Yeah, okay. I think so. All right. I, I could see. <laughs> I, I think this could be a big hit in Albuquerque. Yeah, I think. Uh, what, 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 what do we call it? Like uh, like Top Tuco? I don't know. What do we got <laughs> top, here? Top Tuco? Uh, the, the Tuco in the morning? Tuco and Walt <laughs> Jr. in the morning? Yes, exactly. Like uh, maybe, you know, just uh, just a nice little spinoff show. Walt Jr. could be the sidekick sitting on the side. I really like this idea. This is a. Uh, Maybe if they wanted to spin off into the reality world, we could go this route. Yeah. Anyway, we get to eventually Saul coming in the door and Tuco ending up putting him onto uh, the couch and pulling the gun on him. I have to say that Saul, for the most part, really did compose himself pretty well throughout all of this. Yeah, he he uh, he tries to reason with Tuco. He tries to tell the truth. And in fact, he, he seems to do a pretty good job of convincing him that it was just a misunderstanding that it didn't really specifically involve the Apolita, that it was all really, I'm very sorry, Mr. Tuco. You can get back to your cooking. This is not a big deal. And then uh, oh, it, all, it all went south pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, that is, is Saul just a naturally gifted liar or is he already somewhat slick, do you think? I think he's a naturally gifted talker. I think the whole Slip and Jimmy thing is not uh, not made up. I do think that yeah. he's had some real success at being a smooth guy. But uh, but there's there's only so far that talking can get you. Uh, although I love the talking scene we're going to talk about it in the desert. He really talks up one side of the wall and down the other. So this is just something he's really good at. Even Tuco in this scene in the house is like, oh, wow, you're a really good talker. Now, Antonio, in your professional expertise is... Saul, a good lawyer. He has he has the tools to be a good lawyer. I, I think part of the problem is he, if he wants to be a jury, if he wants to be a jury lawyer, he's got to be believable. It's not something where you can see the smoothness. And I think, unfortunately for Saul, he, he, that he's trying so hard is sometimes readily apparent. He really, but I mean, what we've seen him in, we've seen him in positions that are life or death with a gun in his face and with a knife, which a lawyer usually doesn't face in court. It's usually just a gavel that you have being held at you. So uh, ultimately I think that Saul could be a pretty good lawyer. I think we see him doing a pretty good job later in the episode uh, in the montage. So when we ultimately get to Saul in the garage with the two uh, skateboard guys and Tuco is handing Saul uh, that big knife. Um, did you think that something very bad was going to happen there? 
I were I mean I was like I said I was afraid for those for those poor kids the minute they walked into that house, and uh, I Tuco with Tuco's knife we've seen it before uh, it's the fulminated mercury Walter White's meth like we've seen that knife uh, in various scenes in Breaking Bad or or Tuco using a knife so it's not something that you look at lightly because we've seen it before and we've seen Tuco with a knife before I really thought those kids were toast I don't know what did you think I thought that Tuco was going to make Saul kill those kids. Oh my gosh, you're you're almost even darker than Vince Gilligan. Yes, yes. That, well, that's me. Very dark guy. I, I kind of want to see your version of this show now because uh, Saul kills those kids at the beginning of the episode, and then what's the rest of the episode? He's just he's just watching somebody cut like uh, like oranges, like some or, or red yes. like tomatoes, like instead of breadsticks. Like that's what he's doing the rest of the episode. Yes, that's initiation into Tuco's gang, and then and then Saul is in. He's in. He's in he's from that some, point. He's got some redheads. Yes. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I, I would watch. Uh, I would watch the Rob Sesternino Better Call Saul. Sure. Why not? Um. And so they end up taking the tape off of the kids' mouths, and and the skateboard kids are trying to say that this was all Saul, that this was his idea, and he got them to uh, scam uh, Tuco's Abuelita. Now, I felt like Saul kind of took this laying down. I feel like it's not until we get to the desert that Saul really tries to explain what was going on and saying like, you know, hey, uh, we were trying to pull this scam, but it was on somebody who had the same car as you guys. Like, I feel like he doesn't really give the actual version of the events or a fair shake. Yeah, I agree. I think it was pretty hard with the gun right in his face and with all of that being kind of pendant that at one point Tuco puts the gun in his face and just says, talk. That's a pretty good moment to really just go chunk from Goonies and come clean about every bad thing you've ever done and just really spill your guts and just say, oh, then I was in fourth grade and this happened and I was slipping Jimmy and just go through it all, man. Like, let it all hang out because what do you have to lose at that point? You're about to be killed. So I agree with you. I'm surprised he took it kind of lying down uh, there and, and really put himself in a position where a couple of words from one of those kids put him in an even worse spot. Yeah. And then the next thing we see, we see them all the way out in the desert. Did you think they took the uh, baby poop brown station wagon out to the desert? That's a good question. I know at one point, Tuka's like, tell them to bring the van. So we know that at least they ended up in some kind of van, which is no good. You know, I mean, it's always the desert. At one point, I know in season five of Breaking Bad, Saul complains like, why is it always the desert? And I love those little moments now thinking back to Breaking Bad about the things that Saul has issues with or the things that he has a problem with, because you go back and look at the genesis of it, what we're watching now. Yeah, he hates the desert. Of course he does. He had a very horrific moment in the desert in this episode. Yeah, and so we end up with the guys out into the desert, and you know, it certainly seems like uh, they're going to uh, get whacked out there. Tuco takes out his, t- uh, his toolkit, his wire clippers, and is going to start with uh, Saul's fingers, and he really just wants to know the truth and uh, eventually nobody's buying what he's selling. And then eventually he comes up with this story that he's in the FBI, Jeffrey a Steele. What'd you think of that cover story? I mean that I love that Tuco bought it. That's my favorite part. Cause he's like Jeffrey a. Steele FBI and Tuco's like FBI. I knew it. I knew it. They're on to us. I told you this business was big. It's like playing right into his ego. That's hilarious. I, I don't know. That was kind of a, is it like Burt Macklin FBI from Parks and Recreation? Like, is there a, is there an alter ego where Saul plays Jeffrey A. Steele in the mirror sometimes? I hope so. Yeah. yeah I'd love to watch that. Yeah. Tuco, let's just see how. It, 
He was really into it. Yeah, Tuco was all about that, man. He was all about that agent steal. Yeah, and Nacho wasn't buying it. No, Nacho seems to be so much more clear-headed than Tuco. Even though Nacho seems a little rash himself, and he is a criminal, uh, he recognized right away, like, Tuco, come on. Like, we, he, this guy doesn't even know what business we're in. This whole Operation Kingbreaker or whatever, like, I'm not buying any of this stuff. And Tuco is dancing in the desert. So I like the dichotomy there. But I, I really I want to see more of uh, Agent Jeffrey Steele. I, I'd like to see kind of the, the whole Burt Macklin-type uh, role of, of, of Saul or Jimmy McGill playing Jeffrey Steele. I also really liked it right right in that clear moment where Saul's like, ask me anything. Well, not about contract law, because I don't really know <laughs> right. anything else. Do you think, is Nacho the big bad of season one of Better Call Saul? Yeah, I don't know about big bad. Um, I almost wonder if the law firm is not the big bad that somebody that Saul is really going to have to be getting one over on. I, I kind of wonder if Nacho is not the, the guy that's kind of hooked Saul in in a positive way like I, I don't know that he's an enemy of Saul I don't sense that I don't know what do you think I feel like we start to get in bed with uh, Nacho and these guys and then you know there's no way out when you start dealing with these people I feel like this is the same thing that happened to Walter White where you know you start working with these bad guys and they just don't let you say okay the job is done we'll see you later it's always you know once you get mixed up with these people you can't shake them yeah, and I think that's the problem is once you dip your toe in those waters, there's really no turning back. And I, I, I really like what Nacho says, not to jump ahead too far, but you know, he basically says to Saul, uh, for when you figure out you're in the game, because like once you get in the game, you don't really get out. And I really appreciate that. And, and I appreciate that Saul's not quite there yet. And I'm wondering if Saul's not kind of, uh, is it, you know, or if uh, Nacho's not Saul's kind of gateway into this world, like get, gets him in the game. Rather than the big bad, it's just somebody who really, it's almost like Jesse in a way, like kind of a weird sidekick in a way, like a lot different than him from a different world, but is has sort of connections to that and can give him some ideas. So maybe he's more of a Jesse than a, than a big bad. I guess we'll see. Hmm. That would be a very interesting uh, buddy relationship between Saul and Nacho. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You can look at me and tell I have a buddy relationship with Nacho. So that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, They're good. it's a good relationship to have. Yeah, it's, it's one that's uh, it's a lifelong friendship, really. Okay. Um, so I thought it was interesting the part where the Nacho, I believe, says, uh, hey, tell me, the, tell me the truth. If the next words out of your mouth aren't true, uh, you know, it's that's it. And he ends up going back to the I'm a lawyer. Were you surprised that he dropped the uh, Jeffrey A. Steele facade at that point? I thought that was a great turn. I thought that Bob Odenkirk did a great job with that moment. His voice kind of changes. It drops an octave or so. He stops playing and he just really spits it all out there. I wasn't that surprised because I think that Jeffrey A. Steele was a Hail Mary and he was a little surprised that it landed. I mean, he was about to lose a finger. He was just saying whatever came to his mind. Uh, so I wasn't surprised that he dropped it when the guy, the other guy who didn't really buy it came up and said, listen, tell me the truth here. I don't know. I, I, I'm glad he didn't really continue with it, even though, like I said, I really do want to see more of Jeffrey A. Steele. All right, so we ended up getting to the point where they let they're going to let Saul go. Uh, at what point did you uh, feel like Saul was safe? I mean, I, honestly, of course, I felt like Saul was safe the entire scene. But as far as escaping without any harm, I really did feel like once Nacho got involved and was really kind of feeling out that he was not really full of it and 
that it was a bad idea to kill him. I felt like that Saul was definitely safe from any harm once Nacho got involved. But that said, I, I love this this ongoing negotiation with Tuco that 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 evolves. Not just for Saul's life, but when Saul starts bartering with Tuco right here, it's, at no point that I feel like it was ever going to turn back around on Saul. And I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, there's this big negotiation. Once they let him go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> once they let him go, they were just like, oh, whatever, you know. Like now, now we're just going to talk. Now you're now that you're now that you're cut. I'm not going to threaten you anymore. Now we're going to talk about these other guys. Does the Saul of the Breaking Bad era? Does he go back and try to negotiate for the skateboard kids, or is he just like I'm out of here? I think so. Don't you think he goes back? Mm, I'm not sure. <laughs> like I feel like he has a lot more That's to lose uh, at that point in time. Right now, I mean, what's the worst that happens? And they kill him. He's got nothing. That's a good point. And, and at one point in the Breaking Bad era, he says he wants to disappear like a fart in the wind. So I think if you let him out there in the desert and you say, hey, you're free to go, he probably starts hightailing it and never looks back. But I don't know. This stall, he's a little different. He is a little different. You're probably right about that. Yeah. Take us through this negotiation, Antonio. Well, I love it. I love that Tuco does not understand the barter system whatsoever. I just love it. Like Saul's like, hey, listen, how about you just break their legs? And Tuco's like, I'm going to cut off their legs. <laughs> That's not how it works. You don't, you know, I don't offer you leg. I, like, they just go body part by body part. They're going to yeah, no. start with cutting their tongues out. Antonio, that's totally yeah. within bounds. That so you know, Saul threw out like a low ball offer, and then Tuco threw out like a you know a big ask, and then they end up sort of like meeting in the middle. Yeah, I I do like that. I, I like that Tuco is 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 all about that. You know, oh oh, the punishment should fit the crime. Oh, so they mouthed off Colombian necktie. I'll cut a hole in their neck and I'll pull their tongue right out. And it's like, oh, okay, Tuco, you come from a little bit of a different world than I do. Like I was thinking, maybe you could just insult them a little bit. So it's funny because the two sides are so far apart. One side wants to maim and physically harm. The other side wants none of that. So meeting in the middle is about what happened. Yeah, broken legs. Yeah. Too bad he didn't have a bag of Fritos to offer Tuco as part of the negotiation because that we saw in the courthouse that worked out well for Saul. Oh, boy. It's a good thing that I, I remembered that courthouse scene because I thought maybe uh, you're talking some corn chip action there. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a you were saying Tuco. He loves cooking so much. He'd like some corn chips, too. Well, I'm sure he would as well. Yeah, corn chips are delicious. <laughs> Very delicious. Uh, so <laughs> they end up with the negotiation of, okay, they're going to break one leg each. Yeah, and they're twins, so I'm sure that they felt two legs, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, you, so you, they have, like, the twin power. Did we establish that they're twins? I, they seem like twins to me. I don't know. Maybe they're not, but they certainly seem like them. Uh, and I don't know. Do they? Uh, maybe they need to get on Twinder. Yes, I think so. And so they break the legs of the two guys, and then it's uh, Saul's job to take them to the hospital. Boy, this uh, they were telling him, you're the worst lawyer ever. He's like, no, I'm the best lawyer ever. Yeah, I mean, I think so. He negotiated a death sentence down to six months probation. I think that's, uh, I think that's a pretty fair negotiation. I think he did a really bang-up job of that. And I, I mean, I love that. I love that he was appealing. To, I love that he tried to appeal to Tuco's sense of like, motherhood or whatever he's like think of their mother she works so hard she scrubs so hard she gets down on the floor on her hands and knees and tuco's like ah her stupid sons they're really disrespecting her and then when tuco's breaking their legs he's like you tell your mother this happened you tell your mother like i just i love that saul really just he really tuco is such a live wire and i, I mean i that was such a great thing to bring this character back because we got such great tuco here and we got a nice callback to breaking bad in the scene 
when Nodos, who's one of Tuco's henchmen from Breaking Bad, comes into the scene and he he actually says, he kind of speaks out of turn a little bit. Uh, and he says something that Tuco is not happy with. Uh, and and he, Tuco goes over to him and says, stop helping. And that's that's really foreshadowing because Nodos is the guy who told Walter White when they first faced off as Heisenberg at the junkyard, he told Walter White, like, just remember who you're working for. And that made the messed up Tuco so mad. He beat Nodos senseless. So it's a nice little nod to that moment that we see later in Breaking Bad here where we see Nodos step up and say something to Tuco, and it's out of line. And Tuco, this this out of line relationship with Nodos is already established. Yeah, he warned him. So I didn't him. really like that, even though. Yeah, he did warn him. He <laughs> warned him right there in the desert. He's fair, it's Tuco. Not like he didn't warn him. Tuco, uh, hey, tough but fair. Now, Saul ends up having to pay for the uh, two broken legs. Oh, what do they get for a uh, broken leg there in uh, the hospital? Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't really tell, but uh, the AMC Story Sync had a picture of the bill up, and uh, pretty penny. It was about fifteen fifteen hundred bucks for both, which actually I think is a fairly good deal. Those kids must have had some pretty good health insurance. You like uh, AMC Story Sync on the Better Call Saul? First time I've ever used it. I, uh, I actually I talked little... about it last night on the Walking Dead podcast. I did Walking Dead. Yeah, what what do you think? I well, I tried to do it tonight for Better Call Saul, and I did it on my phone. I didn't like that as much. I found that my phone was like, uh, you know, after two minutes was going to sleep, and it still had the address bar on the top of the screen, and I didn't have a kickstand or anything on my phone, so I found it uh, less. Uh, I didn't like it as much as when I was watching last night, and I had uh, the I was watching, and I had my actual laptop open. And I was using it there. So I thought it was better on the actual computer than on the mobile experience. Yeah, I was using my iPad and it works really well. If you guys aren't familiar with that, StorySync is a thing that AMC does. It's like a second screen. They want you to open some other device while you're watching television. And they give you little interactive features about the episode. Most of the time it's a poll or something like, was this a good move by Saul? And it's just something silly like that. But occasionally they'll throw a little factoid in there or there were a couple of uh, lines of dialogue that were hard to understand that I felt were explained in story sync. So I thought that was really helpful. Uh, overall, I thought it, it, the interesting thing about it to me, Rob, is that here I am. I, I load up the story sync that I don't really use it while I'm, I'm going through the episode until I get to the commercial that I'm sure AMC wants me to watch. At which point I go to my iPad and I start scrolling through their story sync app. So it's not a really good thing for me to watch. Uh, live television because i'm not watching their commercials anymore like they want me to yeah they do put a thing up about what the commercial is though right or at least one of the sponsors i'm not sure if it's exact if it matches what's on the screen yeah they do but you can kind of scroll back and see what you missed while the sponsor thing is up during the commercial so it's really only meant to replace the commercials so if you've kept if you haven't kept up with it it's a really good way to waste your time while the commercials are on yeah take that biznatch commercials yeah yeah how about that better call antonio Story sync, biznatch. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so well, the next thing we see is Saul on a date and he's with a woman and uh, apparently a woman who has a real fetish for bre breadsticks. Was, was yeah, Saul at exactly. the Olive Garden? Oh, man. Those are endless breadsticks at the Olive Garden plus soup salad. That's some good eats right there. Yeah, but that's the Olive Garden breadstick is a soft breadstick. It's not going to have that snap thing. like a good leg does. I got news for you. I think I might have a harder time seeing that soft breadstick get snapped than I would a hard one. But uh, wow. that's another matter. Um, yeah, that's another matter entirely. I uh, No, I, I thought that was hilarious. I was laughing so hard in this scene. And 
I don't know. I rewatched the premiere uh, before tonight's episode, and I found that I was mostly sad by it. I thought it was a lot sadder on the second watch. Um, but tonight's episode, especially starting with this sequence, I mean, really earlier, I'm I'm laughing a lot during this episode. I don't know about you, but it felt like this episode brought the comedy a ton and the breadstick thing. I was I was really laughing during this whole sequence because uh, poor Saul, he could not focus at all on the on the task at hand. And all he could think about was snapping breadsticks. Antonio, what made you so sad? The Cinnabon stuff? Yeah, that was it. I mean, it was the mustache and the Cinnabon stuff. And and really just kind of saw throughout uh, seeing this guy reduced to what he was reduced to at the beginning of the episode. And then just seeing him crossing his fingers and hoping so much about a phone message or one client. I mean, it, it's like to see that level of desperation in a guy, Bob Odenkirk's not a young man. So it's really hard to watch that. And and I, I mean, look, I'm a lawyer. A lot of my law school classmates went out on their own and a lot of them struggled and some of them probably still are. And so it's, it's tough. I mean, you got, I don't know what Saul's situation's like, but it, it, listen, being a lawyer for a lot of people is not the most glamorous profession. And I think if this show does anything to show that, good for it. But it, it made me pretty sad. Hit a little too close to home, Rob. Does anybody from your law school work at Cinnabon now? Not to my knowledge, though. It, honestly, it wouldn't shock me. <laughs> wow. Uh, boy, the and economy's s- been pretty rough, man. Yeah. And Cinnabon really uh, made a meal out of their uh, Better Call Saul appearance that uh, they were tweeting all about it. Everybody's talking about Cinnabon today. Uh, What a great product placement for Cinnabon. Yeah. And it's weird because, you know, that was a stray line from Saul in uh, in the season finale last year. And I think at that or not the season finale, but near the season finale of last year. And I think at that point they knew that they were going to have Better Call Saul. But I, there's no way they had this whole deal with Cinnabon worked out. And so good for them for turning into it. It's too bad it wasn't Sparrow because I would have loved to have had some free pizza today. Yeah. If I could find one. Uh, just going back to Cinnabon last night, doesn't it seem like a bad idea for a paranoid on the run Saul to work in the mall? I mean, I feel like if I'm Saul, I think I want to work on someplace that's a little more like uh, off the beaten path, like uh, with not as much foot traffic. Yeah, like the back room at a Costco or somewhere like that, that you're not going to interact with customers at all. Yeah, or like some sort of like mom and pop shop, something where like, uh, isn't there a local bakery he could make the uh, Cinnabons at? Yeah, or maybe he could open his own restaurant called Salabon. Oh, wait a minute. That wouldn't be very good. (laughs) No, no, don't do that. Um, No, that would be too obvious. All right. So let's go back to uh, we're going to see Chuck and I thought that this was probably the part of the episode that dragged the most uh, Saul and Chuck here on night two. Yeah. And I think that's right. And I, and the, the stuff with Chuck is, is good from a dramatic standpoint. As a matter of fact, when I rewatched the premiere, it really stood out how much Michael McKean in that scene where he screams, I'm going to get better and I'm going to go back to work and pick up right where I left off, how good he really was and how, how meaningful that was. But uh, it wasn't necessarily of a piece with either what came before it, which was this crazy, scary, hilarious drama with Tuco, and then what came after it, which is this sort of uh, comical feature with the, all of the montage sequences. And then we meet Nacho again in the hilarious, sad office of Saul. It's sort of a, a weird realm in Saul's life. It's not clear exactly if, if Chuck is this sort of like advisor, like a Yoda type role. Or, or what role he's really playing in Saul's life, but it doesn't really, it's not really of a piece with the other parts of the episode. It is 
probably the sadder and, and more dramatic and, and actually probably the weirder parts of, of the, the show right now. So it'll be interesting to see how this develops. Yeah. And I feel like we're still not any closer to figuring out what's going on with Chuck. I was going to ask you about that because I, I'm wondering what your take on this is. So when Saul, when Chuck is clearly upset by the cell phone and knows it's there, he's able to take it outside, throws it away. And then in the morning, he's wearing the space blanket, the, the kind of marathon, just got done, keep your electrolytes in kind of a space blanket. And Saul's like, take it off. Just take the blanket off. It almost feels like Saul is saying in that moment to me, hey, look, you and I know that a lot of what's going on with you is in your head. Yeah. So don't wear that blanket right now. Like, let's be real here. Is that was that your read on it, too? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like what I was saying last night was that, you know, he really has something where he could be sick, but maybe is thinking that the cause of whatever is making him sick is the electromagnetism. And he's like really like trying feels like he's doing he's helping himself by doing that as opposed to the actual sickness he believes he has is some sort of, you know, allergic reaction to the electromagnetism. I mean, it, see, it sounds like something like sort of uh, out of like uh, something at sci-fi that we're talking about. But you know, Chuck is definitely in his head. The stuff is all uh, helping. Yeah. And I mean, I feel bad for him because he clearly did really well for himself in his legal career. And honestly, the, the views he expressed to Saul in the first episode about how you should care about helping people and you, should, you shouldn't care about money and it doesn't matter. Those are all very honorable and noble things, which we know ultimately at the end of the day, Saul does not pursue. So it makes Jimmy or Chuck somewhat of a tragic character in that regard because his pleas kind of fall on deaf ears when it comes to Saul. Uh, but that said, it doesn't mean he's not cuckoo bananas. Like uh, he just seems like an insane person and I feel sad for him. I mean, he, he clearly seems to be a good guy who something is definitely wrong with. And, and I don't know if it's wrong physically or mentally, but it's, it's not good. All right. We ended up getting after the scenes with Chuck to the montage that you mentioned earlier. Uh, highlights of the montage, Antonio. I, uh, well, I really like all of the moments where he says it's showtime. It's showtime. He seems to be a big fan of cinema, right? So I love that he's referencing the it's showtime and he's doing all that. Cinnabon, yeah, sure. He's, he's Cinnabon uh, Showtime, uh, Cinemax, like all these things are in play here, really. So I do like that. I, I, I don't know. What, what about you? Did, you? did you think there was any significance to when the cup of coffee does not get filled? Interesting. Um, no, I never, didn't really think about that. I mean, we kept going to the cup of coffee. We kept going to the bathroom. We kept going to Petty in a prior. Uh, we kept going to Mike in the garage. And I want to talk about that as well. But the coffee cup thing, yeah, I, is that just he's like, uh, you know, drinking so much coffee and he's so tired and he doesn't realize that the cup's not there? I don't know. I'm thinking back to, and I'm going to spoil the Big Lebowski here, so tune yourself out if you haven't seen it for about 10 seconds. But Donnie in the Big Lebowski dies, and the night he dies is the first time you see him in the movie not bowl a strike. And it's like, oh, things finally didn't go up well for him. So I was really worried for Saul in that moment. I was like, oh, his coffee didn't work out. That's the end of this This. uh happy day for him, but it didn't play out that way. So I just think it's a little interesting. I loved when he handed the coffee to the, to the bailiff at the door to the court and the bailiff took it. It's like, Oh, thank you for the coffee. I also really like when he told Mike, he was a troll under a bridge that made me laugh. Yeah. Hard. The Mike stuff was really good. I said last night, I thought that the Mike stuff was just a tease, but I sort of like thought about this of 
if this is like if you're watching this as sort of like a two hour movie as instead of like over two nights without like a big gap in the middle, I feel like the Mike stuff from last night dovetails well into the montage Mike tonight. Yeah. And are you happy with how the show is uh, parsing out Mike so far? Do you wish we'd gotten more of him? We kind of talked about it last night. I mean, are you still happy? We're we're just seeing him in these moments so far. The only thing we've seen is this interaction with the toll booth. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I, I enjoyed the stuff with Mike tonight more than just the one scene with him last night. I, I can't really put my finger on why uh, other than, you know, it was just seems like uh, I, I, I just liked that we were just going back to that and every day. It's the same thing. And uh, he seems to yeah. be taking great pleasure out of uh, telling Saul he needs more stickers. Yeah, I like that Mike is like a tin pot tyrant. Like, you know, it's like that petty bureaucrat who, if you've ever been in the kind of role like Saul, where you're in the same building every day, or you're in the, the legal system where you're dealing with the same clerks every day, uh, sometimes those people can just make your life miserable. And there are people, too, at the other end of it. But I like knowing at the other end of this one is this stone-cold freaking Batman guy uh, who could kill you just as soon as look at you. But here he is like, oh, you don't have enough stamps. You're going to $3 this time. It's $5 this time. Oh, where are you with your stamps? But he's like a librarian. It's really funny to me. But do you think, is Mike that guy yet? Do you think that Mike will become that guy in between now and then? Or he is that guy and he's just sort of like retired? Like he's like, is Mike a former, you know, I mean, he talked about in Breaking Bad when he was a half measure. What, what did he say? He was a cop at that point. Yeah, I think he was like a cop in Philadelphia or somewhere on the East Coast. And he sort of retired from that. We know that he's got, uh, you know, he's got a granddaughter in Breaking Bad that he wants to take care of really badly. But I don't know. I think that this series is set, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in the early 2000s. It's several years before the beginning of Breaking Bad. So I don't know if Mike's yet concerned about that granddaughter or where he's at with that. Uh, but, I mean, if he's Batman, somebody's got to kill his parents before he can become Batman. So maybe that just hasn't happened. Yeah. So right now you think he's just a police officer. He's got a pension. He's looking for something to fill the days. He took this toll booth job. Yeah, but I still think that he's got that. Whoever Mike was that we knew later in the series, he's got that in him, whether he's willing to. I just it's really interesting to me that so many of these characters have yet to break bad as we know them. Uh, We see we see Saul obviously hasn't broken bad like we know he will. Uh, We know Mike is not where Mike ends up. So it's just really fascinating to watch this, these character arcs that were so kind of unique with Breaking Bad play out in spirals in, in Better Call Saul. So that's definitely something I'm tracking. I don't know. I, I, my, my odds are on Mike still being a pretty bad dude at the end of the day, whether he's a cop or not. I think he's got a lot of violence and a lot of darkness in him. So do you think that Mike is currently out there doing bad stuff and he's just maintaining like this cover story? Or do you think that we will see events in the series unfold that will lead him into a darker path. I think the latter is more interesting, don't you? Well, I could see it going either way. I could see it being like, oh boy, I need a guy who is blah, blah, blah. And then he ends up talking to Mike. I feel like uh, I'm not sure how we go on that journey with him where he ends up also being led down this path. Yeah, it's a good question because I, I don't see Saul saying, you know what? I really need somebody who can really be a stickler and be an enforcer. You know, I'm going to go call that guy who hassles me over my parking tickets every time. That's who I want on my side. Like, I don't see that happening. So I don't know. It, it almost seems like he, he's going to have to find out that 
Mike's got that darkness in him. On the other hand, I, I think Mike's carrying that around with him right now. That performance is indicating that to me, even in the little moments with Saul. He's almost treating Saul with the same contempt he treated Walter White with the whole time. And uh, I don't think that contempt is just uh, in word alone. I think he's uh, I think he's a pretty violent dude under the surface. Now, whether he's out living a double life, I doubt that. But maybe this was his cover the whole time. Maybe the whole time during Breaking Bad, he stayed working at that parking garage. Antonio, I know that you uh, were part of our team that podcast about the strain during the summer. Uh, and we were on the Corey Stahl wig watch uh, most of the summer. Not to be confused with the uh, Josh Wiggler wig watch uh, during the uh, anytime. But the wig that uh, Bob Odenkirk is wearing. Are, are you buying it? Is it good? I'm not buying it. Uh, it's not good. I uh, I see it flipping up at the back. You see it. He just it looks tousled. It's not it's not one of Maury's wigs from Goodfellas. I have a feeling it could come off at the slightest jostle. It's just not looking so great. Uh, I I got to tell you, I'm a big fan of the FX show The Americans. Have you have you watched that show? No, I have not. It's a very dark show. You know the Soviets uh, are are secret agents posing in the United States, and one of the things they do is they're constantly wearing wigs, and the wigs are so comically bad on that show but i think they're meant to be they're just disguises and they're so bad at one point one of the characters is in a relationship and his the person he's in a relationship with knows it's a wig and she just thinks he's wearing it because he's humiliated and i can't tell where saul's at with that i can't tell if people know it's a toupee and aren't, aren't saying anything or if this is supposed to be younger bob odenkirk hair uh so i guess we'll just have to we'll have to be on wig watch we'll have to be on on Jimmy McGill wig watch. And while I don't think that the wig is a good one, I saw Bob Odenkirk like on the daily show uh, last week and boy, the real Bob Odenkirk looks much older than Saul. Yeah. And I think that was his real hair in the Cinnabon sequence at the uh, beginning of the first episode. And I, I think that they, that he was, he had been done. He was done wearing the wig or wearing a comb over done, trying to cover it up, whatever it was. I think that's the, the real Bob Odenkirk hair at the beginning of that uh, episode. So part of it probably also is they need to make him look younger and even younger than he looked in breaking bad. So they have to do something. Uh, so I guess we got the uh, classic lawyer to pay come over. Look. All right. Uh, let's go to that last scene where we see that Saul is in his office and Nacho comes uh, to the door. Uh, what did you think was going to happen when Nacho knocked at the door? I honestly thought he was going to ask him for help with some kind of criminal case. I didn't think he was going to ask him to participate in a crime. I thought he was going to try to get his advice as a lawyer. I thought Nacho actually sort of respected him in the desert there and respected the, the way he could talk and his honesty as a lawyer. And I thought he was going to prize that and use that as a, for legal purposes. I did not think he was going the Omar Little, Little route. And he was going to try to rob some criminals. I thought that was pretty crazy. I don't know. What did you expect to happen? Did you expect Saul to be in some serious jeopardy there? Yeah, I kind of thought that he was going to want something from Saul. I did not know that uh, we were going to go after the people with the uh, million and a half bucks. Uh, but I think that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow. Yeah, because I, I after rewatching that first episode again, you see the yacht in their driveway. And Saul says about as like about as subtle as a stripper pole in a mosque and and that's the sort of thing where it's like oh okay i really am thinking that these two did definitely embezzle that money uh, and are not being so subtle about it they're out spending it they're not really being subtle they're buying giant boats and so they've got that money and uh it's right for the taking so 
Saul wanted revenge on those people, but really the revenge he wanted to get was to win them as a client because he wanted their money as honest as he possibly could get it, even though he would be getting it with a scam. So I, I don't know. I, uh, I do think it would be fun to watch a caper play out. Breaking Bad is so good with capers. Uh, if they do try to steal the money, it'll be, I, I mean, it'll be really interesting. Nacho said, you can find out where they're keeping it. It's like, oh my God, how is Saul going to find that out? That should be pretty funny. Now, do you think that this is going to be something that's going to be tied up in the next episode or two? you think this is a storyline that goes on for most of season one? Personally, I think it's going to be tied up in the next episode or two. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I could see it being an ongoing storyline. I feel like that these people are, this couple links the uh, nacho element and the other lawyer element. And I feel like um, these two people are a good way that we're going to be able to tie in all the storyline of the show. Yeah, that's true. And and it could play out over several episodes. I don't know if it'll be the big story for the season, uh, but I think it will be a multi-episode story and not just one episode and done because uh, they do tie into the law firm as well. You're right. Okay, let's go ahead and let's start to take some of your questions uh, from the audience of Better Call Saul Live here on Post Show Recaps. Uh, by the way, Antonio, I didn't announce it at the top of the show, but our new iTunes feed is up and running, our dedicated Better Call Saul iTunes feed, which you can subscribe to. If you're up for it, go to postshowrecaps.com slash bcs itunes that's postrecaps.com slash bcs itunes and also antonio uh we also have a new better call saul feedback email address uh which people can use which is a better call saul at post show recaps that's great Uh, can i get that itunes uh feed link put on some matchbooks yes go for it so go ahead put that on matchbooks and for the email address of course we're taking questions live but if you have a question during the week that's more of a long form question or something you want to either correct us on or ask us about a great way to get some feedback into the show. Send us your emails at better call Saul at poster recaps. And of course uh, you could leave us your comments anytime on posterrecaps.com. Uh, Antonio, I saw that you posted a interesting fact about the car from last night for people that didn't check out uh, what you posted on the recap from last night. Uh, you did some detective work. Yeah, there was some debate over whether or not the twins or the twins, the skateboarders had followed the wrong car or if uh, if that lady, if the abuelita was somehow involved with uh, with that couple. Maybe she was their nanny. And so if you looked at the the two cars in comparison, unfortunately, those idiot twins just followed the wrong station wagon. Uh, The first shot we see of the uh, the couple station wagon, they have one of those decals that shows the family members lined up. Uh, and they have it's just a different make and model of car. Uh, whereas the Abuelita's car, different license plate, no decal. And so I put a side by side picture there uh, in the comments at our show page at postshowrecaps.com from last night's episode. And uh, been kind of participating with the commenters there. Uh, there's good stuff all over the internet on Reddit, on Twitter, the Story Sync. Uh, and we're happy to talk about this show with you on postshowrecaps.com. What about the title sequence? That's something we haven't talked about yet. Now, I thought I heard. Um I'm I'm not sure where I read this. I don't want to give credit to the wrong person, but uh, that the title sequence is different in every episode. Is that right, Antonio? I heard the same thing, and I don't know if that's true or not, but so far, so good, right? So far, we've got the first episode was this weird Statue of Liberty and kind of 80s sounding music and video. And then the second episode, we had kind of the background, uh, the back of a Cadillac driving down the road uh, with some more music. So 
Breaking Bad, of course, had the same title card, just like Lost at the beginning of every episode with the music sting. But this uh, Better Call Saul seems to be going a different route. I don't mind that. I mean, they're going to do like, uh, you know, 80, 100 different title sequences. Yeah, and I, I was hoping that they would somehow all be connected, like in one form if you put them together. But uh, I don't see that coming. Okay. All right. Let's take some questions here. Uh, let's start off with Mike Ramon tonight. Mike wants to say, do you think Vince has a set number of seasons planned out for Saul? And what do you think the end game might be? I doubt we see him transition from being a criminal lawyer to a criminal lawyer uh, since uh, he seems already to be on that path. Uh, let me uh, say that one more time that he will. We have a transition from him being a criminal lawyer to a criminal lawyer. Yeah, that's a good question. I think that that is, uh, that's, I think, I think Mike hits the nail on the head. He seems to already be on that path. He, but on tonight's episode, we saw he's trying to stay on the straight and narrow, but that's certainly the path that he seems headed on. And no, no less than authority than Nacho believes that he's already in the game, right? So um, that's already the path that he's on. It's an interesting question. Uh, how, what about a set number of seasons? Because when they started Breaking Bad, I don't think they had five seasons in mind per se. But I think they knew that they were going to tell a pretty contained story. And I don't think they ever told this story with the mind of, oh, my gosh, we need to kind of fill time here because the show could go on forever. Uh, and so by telling the story at its own pace instead of at a pace dictated by wanting to tell the story forever, uh, I think we ended up with a much tighter story and a much better show. I, I got to assume that's what Vince Gilligan prefers. So I think that's probably what's in store here. Uh, as for set number of seasons, I don't know. I, I'd be very interested to see if we do jump ahead and we get into future Saul, if that's something we do, um, how quickly that would accelerate that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I agree. I think four or five seasons tops on Better Call Saul. Okay. Here's a question from uh, the great Johnny D. Silvera. Says, uh, dirty lawyer criminal. What's the difference, Jimmy? Yeah. Thank you, Johnny, for putting dirty in front there. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so what did you make of that? Is Saul in denial about who he is in? Do you feel like, uh, is it just semantics for Saul? I think he's fighting it because he says to Chuck, like I didn't backslide slipping. Jimmy is not coming back. And so I think he really is fighting what he knows is at his core, which is that he's a little bit dishonest and willing to cut corners and take chances. And, uh, I think that Nacho realizes that right away because he knows what Saul's end game with that couple was. He was going to run a scam on them. Now, ultimately, it was going to be a scam to, quote, be their lawyer, but that would have been all under false pretenses. So at the end of the day, he's a scumbag, you know, and he's just trying to fight that. So good on him, I guess, for trying not to be what his, what's at his core, but he is who he is. Now, the whole slipping Jimmy thing, um, we debated last night whether that was a real story or something that he just made up on the spot. It seems like from the episode tonight, it was a real thing. Um, what do you think about the sort of fantastic coincidence that those two skateboard guys try to pull a scam on Saul that he already is uh, had been running previously in his life? Yeah, that's uh, it's it's a very unfortunate coincidence for those skateboard guys. Am I right? In a lot of ways, yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, it's really they were kind of running at break leg speed, and uh, unfortunately, that's where they ended up. Will those two guys grow up to be lawyers? Uh, no, but they may grow up to be drug kingpins. It's hard to say. Hard to say. Could go either way. All right. Watchdog Woodward wants to say, 
Happy to see we're finally going to see more of Mike on the next episode. I believe Mike will be the key to Jimmy going down the less chosen path. Uh, do you think Mike will ultimately, or uh, let me phrase the question this way. Who do you think will be a worse influence on who? Do you think that it will be Jimmy who's the bad influence on Mike or Mike who's the bad influence on Jimmy? Well, it's we just got into that debate over whether Mike is already in the game or whether he's going to get there. And if you don't believe that Mike's already in the game, then Jimmy would be the worst influence on Mike. I got to think, though, that he might be already in the game a little bit or or he's going to lead Jimmy down the path rather than vice versa. Uh, but he's got to respect Jimmy first. And I just don't see how Jimmy's going to earn his respect. So I'm definitely looking on the lookout for that. All right. The racing source says first episode was way better Antonio, what's your take on this? Uh, give us the power rankings. First episode, second episode. I I like the first episode better, but I, I really did like the second episode. So I wouldn't say way better. I think the racing source is a little bit like comic book guy from the Simpsons here. No, how dare you, Antonio? Uh, I would agree. I think that the first episode was better. I'm not sure the first episode was way better. Yeah, I really enjoyed most of tonight's episode, and, and it wasn't that I didn't enjoy the middle part. It just didn't feel as much of a piece with uh, with what we were dealing with the rest of the episode, and it's hard. I mean, it's hard to come back from what we had in the first 30 or 40 minutes of the episode. It's really hard to come back from that. Tuco in the desert, a classic Breaking Bad scenario, going crazy, rampaging, negotiating, breaking body parts, knives, guns negotiations all of it like it's hard to walk that back and say okay the rest of the uh, the episode's going to be a little quieter and then end up with as happy of an audience as you had last night where we saw tuco at the end of the episode which was a great little twist okay let's take our next question this is from rahab fan 12 who says great episode i was not disappointed uh from uh, uh again i'm not sure if you're talking about last night's episode or tonight's episode I I don't know. I we got the uh, we got the hashtag slipping Jimmy. So that might have been last night's episode. But I'm going to choose to believe that was also about tonight's episode, and that our audience is divided. Uh, that uh, people were thrilled with tonight's episode as well. Let us know in the chat room which night. Uh, give us a one or a two for which episode you preferred out of these two. Uh, let's take another question from Tim Ritchie, who says, "Would you uh, could you speculate on what could happen to make Jimmy change into Saul?" When do you think we'll see that? Uh, okay, let's talk about it in the actual literal sense of changing his name. At what point do you think we will see that? See, and I wondered if during tonight's montage, we were actually going to see a large period of time pass. At any point, did you think that that might actually happen? No, I didn't think we were going to see a big chunk of time. See, I thought we would see different cars. I thought we would actually see him upgrading cars and because we kept seeing him getting these envelopes and getting these envelopes over and over. So I thought, okay, he's actually hustling here and he's making bank and he's starting to make more money just by rotating and churning these clients out one door of the courthouse and you know, in one door of the courthouse and out the other. And he's making a bunch of money here. And I really thought every time he was going to come up to Mike, he's going to be driving a different car. Suits are going to be a little nicer. Uh, we might see him upgrading office. I thought we might actually see that tonight is what I'm saying. Yeah. I thought we might see, I thought we might see the evolution uh, tonight when we had that montage. And so now I'm thinking it wouldn't surprise me to see that by the end of this season where we get a montage, a similar montage where some more time passes. Uh, Breaking Bad did that famously uh, 
with uh, with time passing montage in at the end of season four in the middle of season five, where I think six months went by and we saw Walter build his empire during that montage. And we just saw the pile of money getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I thought we might be seeing a similar moment tonight. So no crystal blue persuasion tonight. No crystal blue persuasion. No, uh, I don't. Is there a Saul song out there? I don't know. Is I, I can't think of one. Ah, salsa. It all's tied back together. That uh, the blood Snap, on the floor could have been salsa. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, would, I would like to join that club soda. Yes. Uh, and it's hard to order uh, salsa and not get seltzer. It really, it really is. And uh, some breadsticks are pretty good with that. So it all ties together. Okay. Rob's taboo buzzer. He wants to know, we got a defined relationship between uh, Slippin' Jimmy and Chuck. Uh, so does this speak to maybe why Chuck might be embarrassed about uh, what's going on with his brother? Like, do you think that Chuck was already a lawyer? And then we had uh, Jimmy pulling the whole uh, Slippin' Jimmy con, making everybody look bad. Yeah, and I, I think that that's uh, I think that's a good observation, and I and I do think that we talked about how we weren't sure when Saul told the Slip and Jimmy story, how much of it was real and how much of it was fiction, and how much of it he was boosting himself up. But I think with Chuck talking about Slip and Jimmy tonight, we did get a confirmation that that was Saul. Then that was something that that he had done in the past, and he's saying I'm not doing that again. I'm, that's not me anymore. But I think that that confirms that by virtue of Chuck knowing about Slip and Jimmy. And knowing who he was, yeah, that's something that was real. And sure, Chuck would be pretty uh, upset about that, considering he seems to be a pretty upstanding guy. Oh, Chuck. All right. Uh, Bill Simmons, the great uh, sports writer, he wants to know, can you guys give a shout out to tonight's director, Michelle McLaren? The scene in the desert looked incredible. Even though she will be uh, directing Wonder Woman, I hope she still has time to direct more Better Call Saul episodes. Yeah, Michelle McLaren is everywhere, Antonio. Yeah, and, and and rightfully so. She's a fantastic director and has directed some of the, the, the great episodes of Breaking Bad. I absolutely in my notes wrote that nobody makes a desert look good like Michelle McLaren and Breaking Bad does. The, tonight's desert scenes, they were of a piece with Breaking Bad and that they were similarly staged with so much of a, a tableau going on there with the sky and the desert behind them. But they were also very bright. Um, the, the, the lighting was a little different. Uh, and I think that Maybe they shot them at a different time of year, or maybe that was an active choice to shoot at a different time of day or something. It didn't look as washed out as Breaking Bad sometimes did. So I thought by looking a lot brighter, the scene played a little livelier and not as dark. Uh, and I thought that was a great, great move by the direction, uh, by the directing team, by Michelle McLaren, by the cinematographers, by everybody that was involved in shooting this episode. I thought that it looked so gorgeous. I mean, this show just does such a great job with that. We're trying to get Michelle McLaren to direct an episode of Post Show Recaps uh, at some point this season. So I'll, uh, I'll keep you guys posted. It'll be the flashback episode. Yes. I hope. Uh, Johnny DiSilvero wants to know, loving the flashback and forwards in the episode so far. Uh, what do you think of the time jumps? Are you excited uh, to see them basically uh, lean heavily on this device that we saw a lot in Breaking Bad? Yeah, I mean, I don't mind it. I, I liked that we saw, as we talked about, I liked that we saw from Tuco's point of view, uh, what was happening in the scene that we saw not from Tuco's point of view in the first episode. I was a big fan of that. And so I, I did like that we kind of jumped around and went back a little bit in time and saw it from a different perspective. I also really like that we got that Cinnabon scene. I don't know where it's going and if we'll ever see it again. Uh, but I like that they started the season with that because it's in play now, because it's something we could go to. And that means a lot to me. 
Okay. Uh, a couple more questions. Uh, Bill Simmons wants to say, if you were Saul, uh, would you be more afraid of Tuco or Nacho? It's a good question. Yeah. How about you, Rob? I, I mean, I, I would be more afraid of Tuco for sure, but I would Nacho's be, the kind of... Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Who it, would you be more afraid of? I. It may prove that Nacho is a more formidable type opponent uh sort of a uh you know he, he's like the uh maybe is like the you know avon barksdale of everything but uh in the meantime i'm gonna be way more afraid of tuco yeah me too and uh, and because tuco just in the minute could could kill you and he's so he just seems stupid like so stupid and he's not on meth but he's still insane and stupid like I'm way more afraid of Tuco. You can always negotiate with uh, chilling and sort of psycho serial killer type, but you can't always negotiate with just legitimately insane crazy. Yeah. Although that being said, the very smart guy may not go for the negotiation of, hey, why don't we just break this guy's one leg? Uh, whereas Tuco did. <laughs> That's very true. He, but, but Saul found a way. He would have found a way with Nacho too. I mean, Nacho was already ready to let him off the hook and was only going to let Tuco kill those kids as a... Uh, kind of way to calm Tuco down and he lets all talk his way out of that. Nacho didn't go in an exact history revenge after that. So yeah, I don't know. All right, let's do two more questions. Uh, proud nurse says, uh, do you guys agree that Saul's brother has a mental illness? Uh, go on the record, Antonio. Is mental illness or physical illness? I'm a lawyer, not, not a healthcare professional. You tell me proud nurse. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm married <laughs> to one. That doesn't, that doesn't mean you can ask my wife a question about podcasting that she'd know the answer to. Um, yeah, I would that's, say well, yeah. that uh, I, I'll say that I don't think he has a, he's suffering from um, a mental illness. I think that maybe uh, oh, that's interesting. I do. I'm going to go on the record and say that a lot of what's going on with him is in his head and he's not really the electrosensitivity is just not something that's that's legitimate for him. And I think that the take off the space blanket is a is a way that they both sort of acknowledge that tonight. That, that he you know took it off in shame. So I don't know. I think that Proud Nurse might be onto something there. Okay. Uh, last question. Do you think that we will see Gus Fring this season? I don't want to. Uh, and I don't think we will. What do you think? If we do, I think that we will see him in the, like, as a, like, epilogue in the season finale. Yeah, and I think the most likely way we'll see him is just kind of in passing. Uh as a cameo and not kind of a key role. Um, I think Giancarlo Esposito is probably available right now. So if they wanted to bring him in, they could, but I think that's their kind of, that's their big card to play. I don't, I think that that story is when we're going to see play out later. So you're right. If we see him at all, it's going to be right at the end of the season. And I, I, I mean, they only are, are on board for two seasons. So maybe they're going to want to get people hooked into season two. I guess it depends on, uh, on what they expected people to, to think of this show. Uh, so if they're all in the can right now, I, I don't think we'll see him. I think that people would just be pumped up if they went and ate at a uh, Los Poyos Hermanos. That's what I think. Like a nice, a nice little tie-in without seeing Gus as Gus and meeting with him uh, and knowing what he can do. I think it's going to take Saul an awful long time to get to that level where he's working with people like that. Uh, but we could get there with a quick time jump really quickly. So hard to say. Okay. All right, Antonio, uh, fantastic work here tonight. Uh, anything from the episode that we didn't get to cover? No, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that Bill Simmons gave us that shout out about Michelle McLaren. I definitely wanted uh, to make sure we featured that because that's something that uh, that really stuck out to me. This episode was gorgeous. 
Uh, we had a question question on Twitter. I think it was from our friend Jeremiah Panhorst of the Mad Men podcast, and who I post uh, podcasted about Boardwalk Empire with on Post Show Recaps here. I uh, asked, "What's your favorite shot of the first two episodes?" Did wow. you have a a favorite shot of the first two episodes? Uh, I think you meant camera shot. Not an uh, I was going to say I thought uh, I was going to say the rusty nail from Saul's uh, future house. Um, now I would say that uh, n- you know n- nothing jumps out at me uh, quite uh, quite that way. You know I feel like uh, sometimes that stuff gets lost on me that you know I'm sort of taking notes at the time and I'm more listening for things as opposed to uh, always taking a chance to stop and smell the roses and see a beautiful shot in the scene. I do think that uh, what you were talking about in the desert that that looked great, but. I'm sorry to say that I don't have a shot that jumps out at me. Yeah, there were a couple for me. I really liked uh, in the Cinnabon sequence, We the camera is on the escalator, kind of pulling away from, from Jimmy or Saul standing there at the bottom, just kind of an ignominy, like just kind of down there by himself, like just being punished with his lifestyle choices. I also really like the, the, under, the undershot, the shot from beneath when Tuco holds the gun at Jimmy's face by the door. And you just see the gun and the arm out. I thought that was really creative. Breaking Bad is kind of almost famous for this sort of thing. So uh, I, I kind of flag those things as I'm watching. And, and I do really appreciate it on that level as well as others. I, uh, so I, I'm glad that uh, others are, are taking that appreciation. But it's nice to know, Rob, you can really enjoy the hell out of these shows without taking the time to stop and smell the flowers. So, um, so just another mark in their favor, I guess. Yeah. And um, boy. Uh very exciting. Very happy to be covering this show with you, Antonio. I think this is going to be a lot of fun as we go along here. This is going to be a, a very fun ride here on Monday nights. And uh, we'll be back next week. We're going to be a little bit later. Uh, I've got a little bit of being called into uh, double duty on next Monday night. The Celebrity Apprentice is having its live finale next Monday night. I'm going to cover that live. And then Antonio and I uh, will get together uh, probably uh, an hour later than we normally do. I will jump ahead and uh, watch Better Call Saul, and then we'll record probably around uh, 12, 15 uh, a.m. Eastern time, uh, 9, 15 p.m. Uh, Pacific for next Monday night. And then we'll be back in 11, 15 Eastern uh, the rest of the way. Yeah, and that uh, um, anytime, anywhere, brother, you give me a call, we'll cover Better Call Saul. Wow. So I'm ready to do that. Very exciting. All right. Uh, Antonio, great work. Thanks, everybody uh, who joined us live here tonight. We had a very good uh, live crowd here for the episode. Hope you guys will continue to be part of the uh, show every week. If you can't be here with us live, you're listening in the archives, uh, leave us your comments or shoot us an email during the week. Better call Saul at postshowrecaps.com. Antonio, we need a hashtag for this episode. I, I was thinking the same thing, and I was actually going back to the chat room. It looks like the, the preference was for the first episode. So... Uh, I guess that uh, you're you're not on the you're not on a different team than others with that and our commenters as well. So it looks like episode one wins the day, but uh, hopefully episode three, four, five, they're all going to get better as we go along. As far as a hashtag, oh man, I don't know. Um, all right, let me give you some options. Okay, give me some options. Let's all right, uh, how about um, hashtag space blanket? Okay, I like that. I like okay. that. I'm going to look that one up like uh, Tyson Apostle tends to do during the <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Uh, we've got, of course, uh, we could do something with, uh, Biznatch. Of course. Biznatch is probably going to be pretty well populated here. We can uh, modify that it, though. Uh, I'm saying. 
Yes. So how how about how can we modify that to make it appropriate? Uh, not is sh- rap. Is rap? No, no, that no. Work. Then then no, they're calling us a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. we've got uh Jeffrey A. Steele. Jeffrey A. Steele. Let's uh let's uh that, that's pretty good. How about let's see? Yeah, that's pretty good. What else do we got? Uh, we have also got uh five stickers. <laughs> I kind of like five stickers. Let's okay. see. Uh, but you got to like write out buds. the word. You got to yeah, you got to write out the word though. Don't use the number. Five stickers. Let's go with that. Five, five stickers is Or good. one like one final buds. option. One final option. Uh, All right. soft breadsticks. <laughs> you never want soft breadsticks, I'm telling you. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm I'm just looking up soft breadsticks. Uh, we could go with I like I like five stickers. I five, like five stickers. stickers. That's right. All right, that's for my words written out. Five stickers. Yes, <laughs> five stickers. Write out the word. If you use the number, uh, it won't work. Uh, like it'd be like if you put like a hundred ten percent as a hashtag, it does not work. So, Antonio, <laughs> very excited to be uh, back with you live uh, next Monday night. Um, tell us what you have going on on Justified. Josh Wiggler and I have been podcasting about Justified, which is in its final season on FX. Uh, we try to put up the shows Tuesday nights so that they're up there Wednesday morning. Uh, we've got uh, some good people participating in our feedback. If you like Justified, you should check out our podcast here at Post Show Recaps uh, and participate along with us as we're working our way through this final season. It's been cracking, Rob. It's been a fantastic final season of Justified. I see a lot of comments on the Justified podcast. Yeah, we 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 love. I mean, Justified is just a show that does such great fan service and. If you haven't watched Justified, it is available on Amazon Prime. If you're looking for a show to catch up on, Josh and I did season recap podcast, season by season, uh, before this final season started. So uh, we, we really have been enjoying ourselves with Justified here on Post Show Recaps. And, uh, and so we'd love to have you join us if it's something that you're not into already. All right. So everybody will be back uh, next week. Uh, thanks so much, Scott St. Pierre, for uh, going through all the questions. Thanks, everybody. Uh, for checking out the show and we'll be back uh, next Monday night. More Better Call Saul is right around the corner. Take care, everybody. Bye.